0: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, also on Spotify, and on the Five Reasons YouTube channel where you can get content on all the other South Florida teams. A lot of them are doing well right now. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Also, check out 5 Spell that one out. Unlike the newspapers, we do not have a paywall. And check us out on Playback. I think we may actually be on there Sunday for Sixers Celtic. So check that out. I'll post it up on our Twitter feed at Five Reason Sports. And you also, of course, can catch us throughout the Eastern Conference Finals there. And the great sponsors of the Five Reason Sports Network. Make sure you check those out, including MiamiGamingParties.com. We know that the Easter Conference Finals is going to be going every other day. So on one of those off days, plan a party for your kids, for your friends. Do whatever you want to do with it because they'll make it custom for you. And, again, they'll bring the PS5s or any of the other equipment you need. You can pick the games. They'll bring those with you, and they'll create a complete custom gaming experience for your group. They can do VIP parties, all kinds of different parties. Check them out. It's MiamiGamingParties.com. Trophies, too. They do everything for you. This is a new concept, but it's picking up steam, and these are big Miami Heat fans as well. So go to MiamiGamingParties.com. Again, that's MiamiGamingParties.com. And now, today's episode.
1: Down to Biscay.
2: Yikes. Biscay. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. where here's the thing. You can check the score. hustle hard, couple scars, rain bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. kept the floor plan. Got them all
1: banned. Y'all seen the block. Stopping one hand. Impact and Pat, we trust. It's about having guts. we here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up.
0: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow me, Greg Sylvander. We got Alex Toledo. You can follow me, Tropical Blanket. This is the first of a series of Eastern Conference Finals episode. The Miami Heat are in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four years for the seventh time since Eric Spolcher took over. And as an organization, what are they at now? Because they were two, uh, excuse me, uh, two with Pat Riley, right? So they're nine times total. Is that right? Uh, Eastern Conference Finals appearances for the Miami Heat as they chase championship number four and chase finals appearance number seven. We do not know as we speak right now who they're going to be playing. We're waiting. Uh, We're recording this on Saturday evening. So Sunday we'll find out. The Celtics host the Sixers in a game seven. The Sixers, of course, because they're the Sixers, squandered a game six at home. I'm anticipating we're going to be seeing the Boston Celtics in the next round because the odds of James Harden and Doc Rivers going against all of their playoff history and winning a game seven in TD Garden. They are not LeBron James. They are not Jimmy Butler. I do not see it happening. But either way, we will preview the series as soon as that result is in. That's Sunday night. And we will get you ready for the Eastern Conference Finals. We're also planning on bringing on some guests because we've got a couple more days uh, before Wednesday's Eastern Conference Finals opener. And that's going to be in either Philadelphia or Boston at 830. We're going to take a little bit of time to reflect here. I actually just want to throw out a theme today Uh, because we don't do a whole bunch of those because we've just been on a march. Like this has been (laughs) the last month. It's just been game, analysis, preview, review, preview, review, preview, right? So we've gotten in a couple of narrative episodes, uh, but I want to get into something a little bit more depth today. And I'm just going to throw this out to you guys, and I want to get you to respond to it. We talk a lot about Pat Riley and the Heat regime and Riley's eye for talent or eye for team building and being a scavenger. I've always called him a scavenger because – he always goes and gets the star who's unhappy somewhere else, right? You go back to the very beginning of his heat tenure since he came to Miami. He didn't really have to do it in New York, okay? He inherited uh, Ewing, and then he ob- obviously he didn't have to do it in L.A. because he inherited a ready-made <laughs> Hall of Fame team, right? But then in New York, he inherited Ewing. Uh, he went out and he, did, he helped develop kind of Anthony Mason, John Starks, are sort of the precursors for a lot of the undrafteds that we've seen down here in Miami. But they didn't have to make a whole bunch of big trades. Charles Smith, there were a couple of others, but not a whole bunch of big trades. But when he came to Miami, he built the entire organization from the beginning by going and getting somebody who was unhappy somewhere else, which was Alonzo Mourning. And he traded his best piece in Glenn Rice. And then he went and got Tim Hardaway, who was unhappy in Golden State. He was playing behind a, an old and ineffective B.J. Armstrong at that stage. Then he went and got Jamal Mashburn, who'd been a top five pick, but had didn't fit with jimmy jackson and with jason kidd so that's how he built that group then you go forward and with the exception of the Dwayne wade draft pick everything else was in that vein shaquille o'neal was not happy because he wasn't getting the extension he wanted from jerry Buss in los angeles a conversation led to another conversation that riley did not expect to have and all of a sudden shack was available and he makes a trade for Shaq. Even the big three guys, if you look at them, LeBron was not really happy in Cleveland at that stage, didn't think he could win the way that he believed he should win, and we saw that he proved to be right because when he came to Miami, he won two championships. Chris Bosh, kind of unhappy that he didn't surround him with enough good players in Toronto. And then, of course, Jimmy Butler, adding Jimmy Butler, who was unhappy everywhere, right? Like I mean, maybe less so in Philadelphia, but certainly in Minnesota and to a certain degree at the end in Chicago. That's what we talk about with Riley, okay, building teams that way. I'm going to take this a different direction. To me, the single best move and most, I would say, risky move that Pat Riley has made since he got here just paid off big because, to me, it was the single biggest difference in this series and probably in the previous series. He decided in 2008 to take a guy who he had come in and started to watch because he was here already when Riley came here, he took him out of the video room off of the staff where he had promoted him in his mid 30s to a lead assistant type role, okay, along with Stan Van Gundy at the time. And then ultimately promotes him, okay, to head coach in 2008. I think Eric was 37 years old, I believe, at the time, because I remember writing a column about why I liked the move. So that one, one of my few columns, that turned out to be right. And then I thought he had a lot of Riley in him, but that Eric Spolcher was sort of wearing two pants at that point that were too big for him, that he was trying to fit into the Riley mold when he wasn't quite Riley yet. We look at this now, 15 years later, Eric Spolcher has been to seven Eastern Conference Finals. He won with a team that had more pressure than any team in NBA history. He took them to four finals. He overcame nine and eight. He over in the first year. He overcame the fact that most presidents executives would have gotten a different coach to coach LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. He overcame losing in the finals in kind of embarrassing fashion, even though it wasn't really totally his fault. It was more LeBron's than anybody else's in 2011. Overcame all of that, won two championships, got to four conference finals with that team, and then has been here for every incarnation since. And I'm thinking, Alex, as as we're going to bring you guys in on this, I'm thinking back to the conversation with Eris Fulcher at Media Day in 2019, where he was talking about using Jimmy Butler the way that he used LeBron James, okay, that he thought that Jimmy Butler could be more of a facilitator, the ball could be in his hands more often, they were going to do some things with him that maybe other teams had not done with him, even though he was an all-star. And now you look at this, and the Jimmy Butler era, a guy who was notoriously difficult to coach, okay, has totally bought into Eric Spolster to the point that whenever I ask any questions about Jimmy's happiness or unhappiness, the first thing that is said is, "Well, he loves Spo, but it always starts with Spo. Total trust in Spo. So here we are. He's now taken this team with Jimmy Butler as the lead player. Who, when Pat Riley said that he was a top ten guy in the league, most people scoffed at that. That team has now been to the conference finals four, uh, me, three times in four years. Has been to an NBA Finals. Was within a shot of another NBA Finals." I'm going to make the argument that promoting Eric Fulcher to head coach is the single best move that Pat Riley has ever made in Miami. And you know what the second best move is? Because it's in the same vein. Eric Folster is now considered the best coach in the NBA. You know who's considered the best capologist in the NBA? Andy Ellisberg. Another guy that Pat Riley inherited. A guy who started on the bottom of the food chain also. Okay, doing PR way back when, a Heat original. So you have the two people. And again, when I ask about Jimmy Butler, the two people he has the most trusted in the organization are Eric Spolscher and Andy Ellisberg. I hear that all the time. Two people that no other organization would have given these roles to. And no other organization would have stuck with them through everything And no other organization then would have reaped the benefits of having the best coach in the NBA and the best capologist slash GM in the NBA. And so we can talk about moves that Pat made or didn't make. And I think a lot of his moves have been hamstrung from above by by, uh, not salary cap, but luxury tax concerns that he's in and things that he can't talk about publicly, which is, I think, one of the reasons he hasn't spoke the entire season, which we've talked about a whole bunch. But my argument is more than a talent evaluator, because look, anybody can say that guy, LeBron James, that guy, Chris Bosh, we'd like to have him on our team. okay? but it's different having promoted and worked with for years, somebody who has the foresight like Andy Ellisberg to figure out a way to get that done, to have the cap space available, to make more with less the way that Andy has, to make more with less the way that Spo has. Being a great manager is putting those people in a position that maybe other people might not have thought that they fit in, and then nurturing those people, supporting those people, sticking with those people, creating one voice with those people. And here they are again to the consternation of the entire effing NBA media. That this team, these roaches, okay, these zombie heat, as Bill Simmons talks about, are right back in the Eastern Conference Finals again. All these coaches have been fired over the past 15 years. All these GMs have been fired over the past 15 years. There's Eric Folster, There's Andy Ellisberg. Those were Pat Riley decisions. And that is what's paid off. Go
2: you're going to try to follow that Alex cuz i don't know that i have the guts.
1: You know what you know what it really reminded me of though as Ethan was was going in there and by the way great point because it really is kind of insane that you know Riley it's it's insane to the level that he nailed those decisions cuz wow like they're both like you mentioned kind of known widely around the league as the best in their business. So yeah, those those are great decisions for sure, amazing. But while you were talking there it kind of reminded me of now the way that Spo has treated players for the most part since he's been there, especially now with with this roster, with all the undrafted guys. It's like Riley saw the value in what these guys have, you know, saw their strengths, you know, the type of minds that they were, nurtured them, empowered them, like you said, and Spoke kind of does the same thing with these players. A lot lot of other teams probably wouldn't care for, kind of invest a little bit more time into them, and it's really just about, uh, you know, seeing them for their value, for the strength that they provide, trying to, you know, help out with the other stuff. And it, it feels like there's kind of, you know, some parallels there. And, and
0: to, to, to that end with the parallels, and then
1: Greg, I want you to jump in on this. It's also
0: important that the guy in charge can be willing to bend a little bit because what you're talking about, Alex, about the development of particular players, that was an Eric Spolstra priority. Mm-hmm. And that is what led in part to the reshaping of their staff to more of a developmental focus a few years ago. And it also led to more empowerment of people like Adam Simon and others in the organization who pushed Sioux Falls and developing those players. And Heat fans can complain that there are too many damn undrafteds on the roster, okay? And, of course, you would rather be able to spend bigger money on other guys. And, of course, decisions that you make that aren't necessarily the best, like giving Duncan Robinson that kind of money, or even with the way that he's performed Kyle Lowry – you could have done other things with that money, perhaps, okay? And there were other extenuating circumstances with all of that. But if you don't have any kind of a developmental focus, okay, whether it's with your undrafted or whether it's with the 14th pick in the draft, like Bam Adebayo, you're not going to maximize your roster. But yeah. also, Riley had to give a little bit because the staff before was more of a Riley staff, that's it got more control of that situation because riley allowed him to have more control over that situation
2: that you're leading me directly where i want to go is that i think riley doesn't get he's thought of as a very rigid manager of team building and the whole culture is very rigid and there are parts of it that are like in terms of being in world-class shape the physical parts of it But I, I think the his ability to dance according to the music that's played throughout the years is huge for him. Like that's he went from a completely different era of basketball. It transformed. It went small. They started shooting threes. Things that I know that Pat they weren't hallmarks of Pat Riley teams. And so for them to navigate that with the same people, it's showing that you're as you guys talked about, like, um, nurturing them, it's also like evolving with them. And I think that sometimes this may lead into why they, uh, take care of their own guys. And sometimes it's to the detriment of a salary cap or something like that, because there's a philosophy that if you buy into this and you're in this with us, that we can figure out a way to get it done. And they've proven that. And so it's for better or worse. And I think overall, it's been for better. And so that that's a, just a huge thing that I think that the emphasis going forward, because you always want to think about succession planning too, is that they've now proven the ability to pivot and do different things, to build teams different ways. And somehow... They keep getting back in position to compete for championships. And that was Riley's goal. It's never win every single year. That's never the expectation. It's compete for a title. If you're in a conference final, you're competing for a title in my view.
0: But the other way to do that is to keep a lot of the same people around. Once you establish confidence, then you establish continuity. You know, continuity for the sake of continuity is not good. Okay, continuity with the wrong people is not good, all right? The Dolphins team stayed with certain groups too long. Other organizations have stayed with certain groups too long. But once you establish competence, then you establish the continuity. So if you look again at the at the Heat organization, again, Zoe is still in it. Keith Askins is still in it, right? Uh, I mean, everybody is still in it for the most part, okay? Very few people have actually left. And, and then, you know, you look around the league, like, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, if James Jones ends up getting run out of Phoenix, I wouldn't be surprised if James Jones ends up in the Heat organization somewhere now that he's gotten his, you know, he took a team to the finals in Phoenix. I Regardless agree. of how things have turned out. There is, there is a, 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 you know, there's, there's just a there's, a, there's a level to this that other organizations just don't get. And I think when you take a look at the coaching situation, again, I, I don't have time to go through. I'll probably do this before Sunday and tweet it out, okay, or before the series starts. How many coaches have been fired since Spo, uh took over? And I mean, even this game on Sunday between uh, between Boston and Philly, how many coaches have those two teams had? Doc literally coached the other team a few uh, a few 10 years ago. Right. Like that's I mean, that's the championship. Right. That's 2008. That was apparently the greatest championship of all time. If you ask Celtics fans, uh, that's. That that I mean, take a look. I mean, Milwaukee like you know went through a bunch of coaches before Bud, and then now it's going to be another one after Bud. If you look at the even the better organizations and the teams that have had some success in the Eastern Conference, along with them, uh, Cleveland. Look and at the, look at the number of coaches Cleveland has had. Look at the number of coaches the Knicks have had. Just to to speak to that, or the, even the Lakers.
2: And I'll sneak this in as we wrap. Um, also, Pat didn't get. Booted when he lost to the Knicks three years in a row as a lower seed. Mm-hmm. So there's even a precedent before you saw Riley stick with guys like Andy and Spo that Mickey stuck with Pat. So I just think that that lineage um, and that that that's just been a huge factor. And um, it's just a point of emphasis that I think is a good thing to bring up now that they're embarking upon another conference finals.
0: And, and I would do want to do like three or four minutes after the break just looking ahead at Boston and Philly real quick. But I think that is the one thing that as Heat fans have been all over the Arisons this year for not spending, right. Not going into the luxury tax, no moves of the deadline. Obviously Kevin Love was brought in, but that was a buyout situation. Make sure Andy keeps you under the cap and all that stuff. I I don't think we should lose sight of the fact, even though that is frustrating to me as an observer also, that this all started with Mickey Arison empowering Pat Riley. Like not, none of the rest of this happens Unless he lets him do his job, and and now it looked in retrospect, you look back and say, well, of course he will let him do his job. He's Pat freaking Riley, okay. You're like, not gonna go trade a first round pick to the Knicks, okay, and go through all that and not empower him to do his job. I've covered a lot of teams in this market where big names have been brought in. Not just the Dolphins, by the way. Whether it was Parcells who fought with Steve Ross, okay, after he came in, or or uh, or you know even even Saban or. But also, the Panthers have had some big names. Maybe not big names to the average person, but they had a Mike Keenan. They had, they had names that, that were names in the NHL who would won cups, okay? And I know that that was not the case. And even the Marlins have had big names. They've had managers of the year. They've had others. It, it's simple to say you're going to bring in a big-name guy and empower that guy. It does not happen everywhere. And, and so – I think as we look at the micro and the frustrations of, okay, did you spend too much on Lowry? Did you spend too much on Duncan Robinson? Are you relying too much on undrafted? Should you have traded for a Jeremy Grant or another guy and gone to the tax? I don't think we should lose sight of the big picture here, which is that it doesn't mean that they should be frugal all the time. I'm going to insist, okay, they're not going to listen to me, that they pay the tax, okay, this season. Because for your point, Greg, if Jimmy Butler got you to conference finals again, you owe it to him to give the best supporting cast to him. So I'm going to continue to argue for that. But I don't want to. So so getting to the conference finals does not excuse that. It doesn't say, well, okay, fine, we did it this way again, so we're not going to spend again. But I do think we should at least acknowledge the big picture here, which is that from Arison to Arison to Riley, and then Riley to Spolstra and Ellisberg and others, they have created the most stable organization. In the sport. I mean, San Antonio is the only one that's close. And the Heat have not had a dip to the extent that San Antonio is having now. That's the only comp, is the Spurs. We could talk about the Warriors. They went through 15, like, mediocre years before this run. Okay? So that's where I'm at with it. All right, we'll talk a little more basketball here. In the last three minutes, we're going to blitz through it. I do want to mention two quick sponsors here. First is Prize Picks. Use the code FIVE, F-I-V-E. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. And I want to mention this before that Sixers-Celtics game. They have an MV prop on there for half a point. It's literally a free prop. So if you haven't signed up and you want to not only double your money, which you do as soon as you deposit, it's free money, and it's legal in the state of Florida – but you also can win on your very first prop as long as you pair Embiid with something. You can play him with two, three, four, five players. You can even MLB, NHL, it's all on there. But just play Embiid with – pick one of the Tatum props or whatever and just win immediately because they're literally giving you a free square. So use the code 5FIVE, get that initialized matchup to $100. We also want to mention you Break Wheel Fix. Go to UBreakWheelFix.com, your complete wheel solution. They do the powder coating, the refinishing. The repairs, we know in South Florida, the roads, they ain't so great. Not as bad as New York, but that's all right. They pay more taxes than we do. Go to ubreakwheelfix.com. They're based in North Miami. Mark and his team will take really good care of you. Mentioned five reasons to get a discount as well. And they do everything there. They can even give you the heat colors, dolphin colors, canes colors. It's all there for you. You probably don't want the Knicks colors. But go to ubreakwheelfix.com uh, or check them out on Instagram or on Facebook. for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. All right, let's get to this real quick. We're just going to blitz through this. Celtics, Sixers. Greg, who do you want to see win this? Who do you think will win this? And then Alex closes.
2: I want the Philadelphia 76ers um, for the jokes. no, But more just because James Harden is James Harden. And in a high leverage situation, I'd rather face him than the guys that Boston has. Who do I think's going to win? It's on Boston's home floor. I have a hard time seeing them lose that game. I will just say this. Both of these teams – we've talked about like this was a episode to wax poetic about spo watch mm. out because both of these guys are at a disadvantage to Eric Spolstra, especially with now him getting to observe this game and then plan for them for several days so and two extra days rest too exactly. for players for Jimmy especially so I'll take whatever the universe brings Miami but I think I'd rather play Philadelphia um but I'm guessing we're we're in for a rematch, and we shouldn't have it any other way, right?
0: Alex, you can't make the case for the Sixers, right? You're not going to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the case for the Sixers is I want them to win. Like Lake said, pretty much all the reasons uh, you said there. Now, look, the one thing you can say is they have played pretty well in Boston, and this series mm-hmm. has been kind of weird. You know, the, you know the, what, what gets forgotten with the Celtics finals run, everybody likes to make fun of the way they perform versus the Warriors, specifically – you know, the latter half of that series, they almost went through one of the most embarrassing collapses in NBA playoffs history if Jimmy would have just made that damn shot, man. Mm-hmm. Like, they, we, we would be talking about them in a different light right now if it wasn't for Jimmy making that shot. Not that I'm disrespecting what they do. They're a great team. I would rather play the Sixers because we've seen the game plan, and I think, you know, it would kind of be full circle getting to play P.J. Sucker again. You guys already know my feelings for Harden and Embiid. I, I, basketball reasons, I think – They're the better opponent. I think you play five on four against P.J. Tucker, and that's the full circle moment because that's what happened, you know, with the Heat last year versus Boston. Uh, You kind of throw that right back at them. You make P.J. somebody that's tougher to play as a result, and he's going to be guarding Jimmy, and I think Jimmy's going to have a hell of a time cooking him because P.J. Tucker is a great defender, strong guy, all of that. You know, he was great for the Heat. He cannot keep up with Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler's going to be getting by. He's going to be a whole lot of help. And I, I, we've already seen Bam match up with Embiid. We only got to see it for half the series. I think if you do that from game one, I really like their odds. And without P.J., they can still guard harder. With Jimmy, Caleb, they have guys. And I, I really do think the coaching advantage is going to be there regardless for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But it's probably going to end up being Boston. And, you know, I spent all season saying I think we're going to get it. <laughs> um, a sequel of the the bad Bucks ending, and we're going to get a sequel of Boston. I mean, I, not even the sequel. This is a this is the third entry here now in the Jimmy Butler era that there, there's going to be a Heat Celtics Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, I'm going to be excited regardless. I'd like their chances better versus the Sixers, but both teams have shown signs of shakiness, right? I'm not mm-hmm. sure what's going to happen in Game 7, and, you know, Rob Williams not necessarily as athletic and imposing as he was last season. Mazula is kind of thought of to be a worse coach you know and you're going to be uh, even without Tyler Hero I, I think they're a little bit healthier than they were last year as a squad right because mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is is a little bit hobbled right now we'll see how he goes but as a squad I think they're a little bit healthier than they were well,
0: Kyle's healthier and, and yeah. Kyle's healthier and, and and you've added you've added Kevin Love um here's the thing about it the Celtics on paper look better than last year on the floor they look worse. And so I – but I'm with with you that I think you'd rather see the Sixers because I just – I think they have all the answers for the Sixers. And you know my feelings about James Harden. I tweeted this out the other day. 21 playoff games in his career, he has shot 25% or lower. 25% or lower in 21 out of 177 games. That means he's due for at least one of those in a series – I mean it it by percentage it's four times greater than that ever happened to Dwayne Wade. I, I you, to me you want to see Harden all day long. The guy that would worry me for the Heat against Philadelphia is Maxi. That is the guy that they will have to handle control, but we just saw they couldn't control Brunson. They won the series in six anyway, because they just had more answers against the Knicks. Yeah, and I, I Brunson think is that,
1: just like three times as good.
0: As Maxie, yeah. And Brunson I, I will say that the, the one my one takeaway just Jalen Brunson's going to be a problem for the Heat for a very long time. A great respect for him out of that series. Randall and Barrett, not so much. And maybe you can steal Josh Hardaway. All right, thanks to Greg. Thanks to Alex. Uh, check out our sponsors, MiamiGamingParties.com, PrizeFix, and You break we'll fix again, PrizeFix, use the code five, 5 Whatever you do on Sunday, play the NBA prop. If you have to watch him flop, at least make some money off of it. Have a good day, everybody.